are listening to 88.9 FM KUCI Irvine. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of KUCI or the University of California, Irvine. Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to Cool Jazz Favorites. Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to Easy Listening Jazz Favorites. Okay. Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to KUCI Irvine 88.9. KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Thanks for listening to Our Digital Future here Thursdays, 9.30 a.m. with me, ZBZ. Today we have a co-host with us, intern George. He's going to be helping me ask questions. So thanks for coming in. Hope you learn about how we do radio here at KUCI public affairs programming and um, you'll probably learn a lot today with our very special guest that's on the line we've got John Jackson he's working at the University of Southern California currently and has a library degree so I'm very excited to talk to John Jackson thanks for calling in this morning yeah thanks Ziba thank you for uh, having me on your show and giving me the chance to, to talk to your listeners and welcome George you know good luck <laughs> yeah, apparently we both have a background in um, film and media here from UC Irvine, so we're very interested in that type of um, library archive and future digitally and just in general, who, who doesn't like film and media? That's what we're um, on right now is KUCI, a radio station. It's a great digital media, audio, oral history type uh, podcast. We can help provide information for the future, and I, I'm happy to have you, John, tell us about um, how you got to where you're at now in your career. What's your background that got you interested in libraries and pursuing your Master's of Library Information Science? To I see um, you have that recently. So how did you get um, your current position and everything? Well, like, uh, like many people in libraries, I, I came to libraries sort of a roundabout way. Um, it wasn't you know, my initial game plan. Um, when I was in college, I was actually a music major. And I was going to do uh, performance uh, art. And uh, like many students, I changed my major halfway through and decided to pursue English. And then I did that for a little bit. Uh, even went to grad school at the University of Virginia and was working on an English degree there. Um, but while I was there, I had uh, a really great experience with a reference librarian. And uh, the work that she did, um, we talked about. and. I got interested in that and talked to her about, you know, what do I need to do in order to do the type of work that you do? And she said, well, you know, you need to get some experience. You need to, to get a degree. And so then I went and pursued that. So, so kind of a roundabout way. I mean, it wasn't, like I said, my original game plan, but um, I think all the experience that I got you know, up until that point, working with musicians, working with um, English professors and faculty has sort of led me to where I am now, which is working in an academic library. So it's been a it's a pretty fun experience, sort of looking back and seeing you know how everything led up to this point. Um, but uh, it all seems to fit now, you know, 2020 vision. It all seems to make sense. But of course, along the way was was sort of touch and go from from moment to moment. That's very interesting. And you, so now you're at um, USC. How long have you been there? I've been working here for the last five years. I uh, work uh, in Grand Library, which is our offsite depository. 
like many really large research institutions, we tend to accumulate a lot more books than we have space for on campus. And so I'm set in uh, the off-site library, which is just off campus, and it's basically a giant warehouse full of all the books that we want to keep in our collection, but we don't necessarily, you know, uh, have space for on campus. So I'm, right now I'm sitting in the middle of what looks like a giant uh, Amazon warehouse full of about two and a half million volumes of books. That's a kind of a nice, uh, aesthetically pleasing place to work. Sort of like SRLF, where the the stores re- re- um, the library facility. It's like, I think we took a tour of that at UCLA, our library uh-huh. here, and we saw, yeah, there's um, floors and floors of just books, and it's just such an empty room, long hallways, aisles, and whoever needs it, a book once in a while, they'll have to go find it and give it to the university that needs it. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it's like. And, you know, for a, for a bibliophile like myself and, and like many librarians who have a sort of a, an emotional attachment to the physical book, um, it can be, it can be very, uh, very rewarding to work in this type of environment. So it's like um, a warehouse for books that aren't in the actual current library. It's not a public facility, so it's somewhere there's a storage Right, yeah. I mean, you know, with many academic trends, there, there are these waves. You know, certain things come into fashion and then they go out of fashion. So we have a lot of collections over here. For example, um, German literature and philosophy was very popular at one point in USC's history. Um, we no longer uh, have that department, um, but we still retain that collection uh, because at some point, I'm sure, some graduate student or some faculty will become extremely interested in and German philosophy at a particular point in its publication history. So we retain those books um, for when that time comes. That's a good idea. I know um, yesterday at the circulation desk, a grad student was looking for a book that they couldn't find. So I looked up the record, and it was a book that uh, supposedly had never been checked out, but we've had it for many years. And he th- said, like, oh, I'm probably just one of three people, I think, on the whole campus that has any interest in this subjects I'm not surprised it's never been checked out so it makes me wonder like oh if we have such a problem with space yeah why do we have books here that maybe get used once in every 10 years yeah why aren't they at a storage facility that's a better idea to make space and you know go into the digital future I saw articles about digital libraries you know no no books in the whole library it's more like what do you call it a computer lab but no there's still librarians you know we're changing our roles every every day what we do Right, right. And I think, you know, what may be really interesting to your readers, um, you know, just talking about digital materials, is, you know, a lot of the materials that are in this library um, are not, um, they're not in the public domain. They may be orphan works, um, but they are prime candidates for future digitization. Um, So projects like Kathy Trust or the Google Book Scanning Project, um, some of the work that, um, you know, uh, Stanford and University of Michigan have been doing. Um, you know, these, these type of works are, are the type of works that people want to get scanned and get put online because, you know, sitting in a warehouse, they're not exactly accessible. Um, and, you know, there may be only three people in the world who are really interested in reading this one particular book, but those three people are going to be raptured by it. So, in my opinion, you know, the faster we can get these things into a digital space, uh, the better it will be for everyone. Of course, there's, you know, legal issues to be, you know, considered, which I'm sure, you know, you've talked about before and your listeners are aware of, you know, things like copyrights and author's rights, but those things over time will get worked out. At least I'm hopeful that they will. Yeah, online easy access, that's the best thing. We should all be able to share information, and it shouldn't be something 
to feel bad about like the creator of Reddit feeling bad for you know copyright and everything. The laws are there, but we no no we need to look at them again. Right, and it's good to have these discussions. I mean, like for example, with the with the Aaron Schwartz case, which I, I assume that's what you were talking mm -hmm. about. Um, you know the uh, the um, wiretapping act that was being used to sort of charge him is is an act that was I think written in the 1970s. So, I mean, I think we need to have a discussion about whether that, that law needs to be updated and, you know, renovated for, for the new digital space that we're in. Um, so, I mean, having projects like the book scanning project that Google's doing and the work that Happy Trust is doing um, and other groups like Internet Archive, you know, the fact that we can do these things uh, gives us the opportunity to have new discussions about, you know, what are the legal ramifications, what should be the legal ramifications of making the information available. So... It's good that we can we can talk about these things and possibly you know move forward to you know, new digital futures. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of your um, collection in your warehouse is um, very very rare, maybe old books. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they go to the archives for the special handling, but not everything can go there. So, um, what are some of the oldest um, things you think you have in your warehouse? Well, let me see. Um, yeah, if we come across something that's really unique or really special, we do send that over to our archives. But, of course, they have space issues as well, so we do have to sort of pick and choose what we send over. But um, let's see. Recently I found a book by Arthur Conan Doyle that had a, a note in there written by uh, Conan Doyle, um, which is, was pretty special, especially with all the Sherlock stuff going on right now in, in popular culture. Um, we also found some uh, 17th century um, liturgical texts from South America. And, uh, and I'm not an expert on South American printing, but from what I understand, there were some fairly prominent Jesuit um, publication houses in South America at this time. And these texts that we happened to find were, were very rare copies of this particular uh, Jesuit text. So... Yeah, occasionally we find some really special things, and uh, we try to preserve those and send them to special collections to make sure that they are, you know, kept for future generations of scholars. Well, that's exciting. Is your warehouse just um, print material, or do you collect the media as well? Well, you know, it's always growing because, you know, we're always acquiring new stuff uh, that we want to make available on campus. So we have mostly print material. Um, what we have left of our VHS collection has been brought over here. We even have some rarer formats. Um, our LPs are all over here now. Mm. So, yeah, I know it's really great. We've got some great, like, 1960s jazz records, um, whole slew of classical recordings, some of which have, have not been digitized and made available yet. So uh, it's really kind of neat just getting to browse those stacks. We've got an LP player over here, so, you know, sometimes on my breaks I'll, I'll go and listen to some of the LPs. Nice. Really, really neat, yeah. Yeah, I imagine USC has a large classical collection with the classical radio USC is known for, from what I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we have a, a huge music program here. And, um, I mean, we have a, an entire library devoted to, to music. Um, so they have their own separate collection. Um, but it is one of our stronger programs, most definitely. And so are you guys um, doing the digitization in the warehouse? Or in a Not separate... Not yet. Um, you know, we've always sort of talked about it. It's one of those things, if we had all the money and all the manpower in the world, um, 
and possibly a team of lawyers as well, uh, we, I think we would probably do that. Um, it's something, I mean, in the five years that I've been here, we've, we've probably brought up at least once a year as a possible project. Um, but we digitize what we can. We actually have a digitization lab that's not physically here. It's actually located in our technical service system. Uh, technical services department, which is across campus, and they do digitization work, and sometimes they pull materials from this library. Um, but we do that as sort of a as-needed, as-requested basis. So if a professor wants to have a certain uh, journal digitized, or if they want to have a certain um, collection of books from our special archives digitized, then we do that you know, based on the time and the manpower that we have. And you said you listen to LPs on break sometime. Do you ever watch VHSs on break sometime? <laughs> Sadly, we don't actually have a VHS player over here, so I don't get a chance to look at those. Um, and uh, to be honest, I don't even have a VHS player at home, so even oh, if I uh, check them out, I wouldn't be able to watch them. But I have a VHS player at home still. I have uh, Home Alone on VHS and Back to the Future on VHS. Indiana Jones. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Indiana Jones, you know that scene at the very end of Raiders of the Lost Ark where the uh, the crate is being wheeled into the giant warehouse? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's about what uh, it looks like in here right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I saw one of those um, warehouses similar to where you work at um, in Illinois where I went to library school in Urbana-Champaign. They showed us their facility, and they had um, cranes like like construction machines to go up to the top by the roof to get the books at the top shelf. Do you guys have similar, how do you get your books at the very top shelf if it's such a huge, tall warehouse? <laughs> we have very tall ladders. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I know some of the uh, schools, I think, um, I, I may be getting this wrong, but I think the University of Chicago has the uh, automated uh, retrieval systems, you know, where it's the, the robot arm that goes in and retrieves the books. And um, those are, are really, really neat, and I think we'd, we'd love to do that here at USC. It's just a matter of finding, uh, well, not only the money, but also finding a space. I mean, you guys know, living in Southern California, earthquakes are always sort of an issue. So finding a, a safe location where we could either build that above ground or below ground is kind of an issue, especially in an urban environment where space is not exactly um, around for the taking. Wow. George, go ahead. Uh, I had a question. I'm not a big uh, I'm not a big bo uh, mo uh, sorry books buff, but uh, when it comes to movies, yeah, I'm uh, I love movies. And uh, since you since you guys since USC has like a high emphasis on film, I wanted to know. Um, a lot of films are being converted to digital, um, so I wanted to see what USC is doing with all their movie reels. I'm I'm assuming they have a film like legitimate film uh, stocks and everything. I just wanted to know what's what's going on. What do you what's uh, USC doing to preserve that film? Are they uh, are they digitizing it or are they uh, making duplicates of it? I'm just curious. It's, you know, USC is one of the, it is the film school to be at. Right, right. No, that's a really good question. We actually um, have two separate uh, cinema libraries. So there's the cinema library that's within the USC library's administrative area. So, you know, people, colleagues of mine who work in the cinema library. But then the cinema school itself has its own collection, which is separate. And that tends to be more robust and it's, only accessible by the cinema students and the cinema faculty. Um, but you, we do actually have some reel-to-reel -reel, um, that's in our archives. And I know uh, I was actually at a meeting um, a few weeks ago, or a presentation by one of our digital library um, specialists, and he was talking about one of their, 
their goals this year and the next coming years is to start uh, digitizing some of that material. Um, you're, you're a film buff, uh, a film buff. So um, remind me, what is it? The, what is it? The, uh, what film is it that that um, that combusts? Nitrate film. Yeah, nitrate. Yeah, yeah. So we have some of that, and that is obviously a high priority, you know, to get that digitized. So I think that is one of the projects that we're hoping to work on this year is to start making some of that, um, um, moving that into a digital format. If anything, before it, you know. Uh, corrodes and fades away. Yeah, see, um, there's a there's actually a, a documentary. I think not a documentary, but it's more. Well, yeah, it is a documentary. It's called uh, Side by Side. Okay. It's, uh, it's with Keanu Reeves, and he uh, he interviews a bunch of um, filmmakers, you know, directors, Martin Scorsese, cinematographers, and they all, and they all talk about the pros and cons of the di- new digital digital age, and the pros and cons of shooting with like red digital cameras and with film. Mm-hmm. And they all talk, and they all share one one same con against digital which is the preservation of it they're saying that film just lasts a lot longer than digital which is surprising i thought it would it would be the other way but i'm all these things are being discussed at usc but my 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 thing is is there any concern that all of this could be lost because i mean there are some fantastic films that just aren't that you know that just don't have that long that don't have that long anymore uh film wise because they've been preserved for hundreds of years already or not hundreds, you know, but decades. My question is, what, what are, what's, what's, what's the talk over there at USC? Is that their concern, or is, do they have other priorities? Well, I mean, we have lots of priorities. Um, you know, lots of different digitization projects. We have a whole, you know, queue which you have to sort of get in line for when it comes to um, getting your project onto the or into the offices of the digitization space. Um, we actually only have two staff members who do digitization here at USC, um, and they're great, they're wonderful, but they're also, they have a line, you know, uh, that's a mile around the block waiting uh, uh, waiting for them when they get to their office every morning. Um, but no, it definitely is a priority. I mean, there's a, there's a couple different considerations for, uh, for making the choice of what to digitize. One is obviously, you know, how fragile is the material? Um, you know, is, is, it, is it breaking down? Is it in danger of fading away? Um, would actually digitizing it destroy the material? I mean, that's always a concern, um, especially with things that are extremely fragile. Um, so there's that, that consideration. The second, you know, consideration is, you know, who would benefit from the digitization? What people are interested in it? You know, how rare is the material? Is it available at any other institution? So there's a lot of different considerations that go into deciding what we prioritize as far as our digitization projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's, it's hard to give you a, a straight answer as far as, you know, what the conversation is, but there are a lot of factors that we look at in order to decide, you know, what, is, what should be the top of our list. Uh, it's exciting for the future to see what's available to, you know, the future to come, everything will be on the Internet, hopefully, like digital libraries of um, film and text, everything. Yeah, definitely. And, and I encourage you and your listeners to check out um, what we already have online. Um, I can give you the URL. It's pretty simple. It's digitallibrary.usc.edu. And you can go on there and browse um, all the collections that we've digitized so far. Most of it tends to be um, visual material, so photographs. We have one or two um, moving image archives. Uh, for example, we have a gospel music archive, which has some video. Um, there's also the Shoah Institute, which is uh, a collection of testimonials from um, Holocaust victims, uh, Holocaust survivors. So we also have that moving image material as well. But 
Yeah, if you get a chance, check it out, uh, digitallibrary.usc.edu. I mean, we've got some really, really great digital collections on there. One of my favorites is the uh, International Mission Photography Archive, which has um, pictures of, of missionaries from, I think, um, late 19th century through the middle of the 20th century, um, and then sort of their journeys through um, various parts of Asia, South America. And it's, uh, it's really interesting to see sort of... Um, these first encounters between Western and other cultures. Oh, nice. I want, I want to remind everyone we're speaking with John Jackson. He's a librarian at University of Southern California. And I see um, that you have your degree from San Jose, and that was in 2011. Uh-huh, yeah. That's exciting. So you got to do um, some internships while you were in school? Well, actually, I was already working here at USC when I started my degree. So when I finished up at the University of Virginia, um, like I was mentioning earlier, and I, I knew I wanted to work in an academic library, but I didn't have a degree. And I didn't have any experience. So I got a job basically just doing, uh, uh, I was an office manager for the cataloging department. Um, and so I was able to do that for a few years and then get some experience, make some contacts, and all the while pursuing my degree at San Jose State. So when a job opened up in the cataloging department, I was able to sort of move from the office manager position to the cataloging. And now that I have my degree, I'm sort of trying to make the move into public services. That's my next goal. John, I have a quick question. Would you say, um, so you started working uh, catalog, you, as a catalog, uh, you cataloging. I have a, a, would you recommend someone, uh, I'm still continuing their education, but at the same time working on the library, getting those contacts, getting, uh, you know, meeting people, or would you just say, to commit themselves to their education and once they're done to go work or at a library which one which method would you because there's pros and cons to both but which one would you recommend i am strongly in favor of getting as much experience and contacts as possible um, that was what i was told even before i started um, pursuing a career in libraries was it's all about the experience you have so if you can get the internships if you can do volunteer work at a local library um, you know, apply for, for research projects or research grants. You know, get any type of experience you can because when it comes to the job interview, when it comes to actually getting a job, especially in academic libraries, but also in public and special collections as well, it all depends on what experience you bring to the table. The degree is important, don't get me wrong, but in my opinion, and I have served on some search committees, it's all about what projects have you done, what have you built, what have you shipped. That's, that's what's important. Well, that's a really good question. I'm in the job market myself, and even though I work at UCI Libraries, I'm still not putting my degree to use as an official, you know, librarian or position. I've been at this position since 2006 as a library assistant, so looking for, you know, I did some internships while I worked full-time, so I worked at the American Film Institute. It is true to get as much experience as you can in different types of libraries and make different contacts. That helps. Um, John? Mm-hmm. I wanted to see, um, for anyone interested in these uh, internships, in these library internships, I, is there a dedicated website for them, or is it just uh, go to go to your local library and just see, hey, do you guys need any help with anything? You know. Um, well, I do know, I'm sure there is. I know that if you're a San Jose State student, there is a internal um, internship website for the, for the library students, but obviously not everyone has access to that. Um, ALA Job List is a really good resource. Um, they tend to have a lot of the jobs up pretty quickly. Um, as far as internships, though, specifically, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's probably out there, but to be honest with you, George, I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah, for mine, I just saw a place I wanted to learn more about, and I just asked them, and there was no position listed on their website or anything. And I was the first intern they actually had, and so now they continue to have them. But that was at AFI, kind of, you know, in L.A., Hollywood area. That was nice. For a whole year, I was at the film library learning a lot about what the librarian does there and the archives. Yeah, and I think you did the right thing, Ziba. I mean, you asked. It never hurts to ask. I mean, the worst thing that they're going to say is, no, we don't do internships. And, you know, no harm's done. So that's exciting <laughs> for everyone out there, undergrads listening on campus or grad students even. I, I know a grad student that, you know, almost finished um, their Ph.D. but was thinking, well, I don't really want to be a professor. I'm going to actually go to library school now. So. <laughs> <laughs> that happens quite often. <laughs> Yeah, libraries are where it's at, libraries and archives, and you're very fortunate to be where you're at, and I thank you, John, for your time. Um, do you have a, a website you want to let the listeners know about to look into more of what you do at USC or anything? Yeah, if you want to know about uh, some of the work I do, uh, you can go to inkandvellum.com, and uh, most of the stuff I post there is about instruction and public services, but I do talk a lot about what I do on a daily basis. Well, thank you, uh, John, for being our guest on Our Digital Future, and George for interning and asking questions. That was good. Thank so thanks for having me. You're welcome. And, John, um, thank you. We can find you on um, Twitter and LinkedIn and online, your website, and USC, I'm sure. I mean, it wasn't a public building, you said, but so people can't come visit. But. <laughs> Oh, no, they're welcome to. We are a uh, government depository, so um, uh, technically uh, we are open to the public. So if you want to stop by and visit, you know, give me a call or send me an email. Oh, yeah, go check out the warehouse full of books. <laughs> yeah, Listen glad to, to have LP. Thank you guys very much. Oh, yeah, George had a quick um, question. John, I just yeah. had a quick question. Um, it might be a big question, but if you could just really, uh, I wanted to ask this a bit earlier. What, what is the best educational background to have to become a librarian? If just if a um, degree in anything in like history or like English, just a, it's a it's I know it's a pretty big question, but that that is a big question. I think it depends on what you want to do. I mean, if you want to be uh, if you want to work in an academic library, having another degree in a subject area is very helpful. If you want to work in a, um, um, a corporate archives, you know, if you want to work for a media business, for example, then having an MBA might be a good um, alternative degree. So it really depends on on the type of work you want to do. Okay, thank you very much, John. Yeah, thank you, George. Thank you, Ziba. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Our Digital Future. This has been another edition, 9.30 to 10 a.m., where we like to talk to librarians, archivists about libraries, museums, and archives here on KCI.org. Stay tuned for more great programming. We've got the 10 a.m. hour up next with great music coming straight to you from 88.9 FM. You've got World Without Words, 10 to noon. Check that out on KUCI.org, streaming live. It's Exploring Fine Instrumentality with Marmar. And check out our podcast. And thank you, George, again for coming down. I hope I helped you learn about KCI and what we do here. Yeah, I, I, I learned a lot. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a good day, listeners and everyone at UCI. Bye.